Thank you. Thanks, Isaiah. All right, you guys, very excited about that video, Love Week. Like Isaiah said, it's, it's actually Monday through Friday, but we have different initiatives going every single day that week. There's two initiatives each day as well. So there's going to be a morning time opportunity to serve and then an evening time opportunity to serve. And then as the Church of San Francisco, all of us are going to come together that weekend. We're not going to have a morning service here at house. We're all going to do a combined worship service that Sunday to celebrate the amazing week of serving together. Does that sound good? Yeah? Everyone's still waking up? You guys good? All right, well, we are going to jump right into this. We've been, like Isaiah said, we've went off kind of the beaten path like we said. We've been going, we just felt we needed to focus in on Holy Spirit for some time. Right? Is that cool? That's good, I think. And he is God after all, right? So we focus in on Holy Spirit. We've also started to branch off into spiritual gifts. And so today, we are going to face and confront a gift which isn't always talked about in church life. It's for a host of reasons we're, we're going to talk about. But what I want to do is I actually want to give you my like little disclaimer before we even start. So hopefully this will be good for you. And this is okay. We can come to agreement. My intention today is not to persuade you. It's not to, for me to come and reshape your thinking. Only God can do that. All right? My intention today is to inspire you to actually dig deeper. To open God's word and to dig deeper. To spend time with God and speak to him more and listen. To hear from him. So in this I want to encourage you to be able to confront your fears, your doubts, maybe insecurities, whatever it may be, to interact with God on a greater level than maybe you have up until this point. Um, you know, we, God's, like I said, God's the one that shifts our perspective, but the reality is that we actually, we're the ones that choose to set our biases aside and allow him to reshape our thinking. So it takes that act. It actually takes us to make that decision. So let's just dump, jump right into it. I want to focus in today, like I said, prophecy. Let's turn to our Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm a little excited. We're going after it today. So strap in. Get ready, okay? We're going to hit the ground running. I could already see some people squirming in their seats. This is fun. You should see my view up here. This is great. All right, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5. And Paul said, follow the way of love. You could just end it right there. Follow the way of love. And he's speaking to the church in Corinth. We've talked about this before. A church a lot like the church of San Francisco. Follow the way of love and eagerly, eagerly desire. Not just desire, desire sometimes, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Especially prophecy. We tend to skim over that portion of the verse quite often. Verse 2. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, for encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the what? They're waking up. Okay, a little slow. Edifies the church. Verse 5. 
I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. Okay, did I read that right? Is that in there? Making sure. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Really, Paul? Right? We just read that. Really? Prophecy. You would rather everyone prophesy. You tell us to eagerly desire the gifts of the spirits, which we do in church, but especially prophecy? Why prophecy? Why like the weird one out of all the gifts, right? Isn't it easier just to talk about administration and all these other things? Why prophecy? Why is that? Out of all of the gifts, especially prophesy. Well, he tells us, and we actually, we've just went through it. He said, look at this is what it does. It strengthens the church. It encourages the church. It comforts the church. It edifies the church. It builds it up. So that's why he says, I'd rather have you prophesy. We're saving tongues for an entirely different day. That's why I just brushed over that. That deserves a day of its own. And we'll get there. We'll get there too. But he says, I would rather have you prophesy so that the church may be edified. Quick thing, he's not dismissing tongues altogether at all. He's just literally saying that in a corporate setting, when you're praying in the spirit and you're praying in a different language, typically if other people don't understand what you're saying, they're not being edified. You're just edifying yourself, your spirit, right? So that's why he's saying prophetic. When you prophesy, others around you can hear. They can be built up. Are we on the same page? Yes. We're okay. Okay. You guys can speak up. It's okay. Verse 12. He says, So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. So try to excel in those that build up the church. And granted, they all build up the church, but there's something about prophecy. There's something about prophecy that maybe we have missed or we have not been taught. Or maybe we've skimmed over it because we haven't fully understood it. There's something about prophecy why Paul continues to go back to this point. It's for the church, but then it's not just for the church. Later on in this chapter, he says, for anyone in reference to non-believers, anyone that doesn't have a relationship yet with Jesus, he says if they experience prophecy and they see it done well and in a healthy manner, they will walk away exclaiming, God is really among you. This God is real. Oh my goodness, like this is an example that God really is here and he sees me. He understands me. He acknowledges me. There's something beautiful that takes place. Not just beautiful, something profound that takes place when people understand that the living God sees them. So Paul seems very set on prophecy, right? Like really set. Like enthusiastic about it, right? He constantly is mentioned, so like, I would say he's pretty pumped about prophecies. Like, I would rather you guys prophesy. Eagerly desire this gift, right? Eagerly desire this. But I'm a realist, and frankly, I used to think this way too, but I think some of you are thinking, well, okay, but it's prophecy. Like, what do we know about that? What exactly do we know? Everyone see this? Everyone know what this is? This is one of those magic eight balls. Kind of shake it up. (laughs) 
That's what it's called, Susan. <laughs> Deal with it. No. <laughs> you shake it up, and it tells you, you ask it a question, right? It's supposed to you know, tell you an answer. It literally has a dice in there. There's nothing magic about it. A dice and some ink. And shake it up right now, and it says, I don't like that one, so I'm going to keep shaking it. That's good, but you kind of get it. Reason why I brought this out, I really believe that this is how so much of the church sees prophecy. In a lot of ways, we look at prophecy and we think about prophecy just like we do this eight ball. It's a bit dated. No one really uses them anymore, right? Just a kind of like gimmicky thing that people get all nostalgic about. It's a bit cryptic. It's a little weird. All right, it's like, it, it's weird. <laughs> it is kind of weird. <laughs> kind of creepy. But then, if at all, it's used as a last resort. If even that. Right? Are you with me? Yeah. See, some of us have been turned off by the gift of prophecy because of a way that we've, maybe we've experienced it, we've maybe seen it, maybe we've heard about it. Yeah. Maybe we've actually encountered it ourselves in a way that maybe it rubbed us wrong. Or maybe we just saw it done in not a healthy manner. Case in point, I was once in, in church life. There's an acquaintance I had. We knew each other. Um, frequented because we were serving in this church and we, all, we, always, we, know, we definitely knew who each other was. We were leading different things, and this one time, this person came up to me and said, I actually, I have a, I believe I have a word from God for you. I was like, okay. I'm going to give you a side note real quick, a little more context to this conversation that's about to take place. I was very aware that this person had been pursuing me to help them with something, and they needed something done. And they'd been wanting me and asking other people to get me to help them out and be on their team for something. So they wanted to achieve something. So they came up to me and they said, I have this word from God for you. And I was like, okay. And they said, you know, God put you on my heart and I really just believe that um, there's opportunities like at your feet that you need to jump on and that you really need to take <laughs> hold of stuff, right? And God is going to bless it. And he really wants to shift your thinking the way that you've been thinking about things. Because I know that you're like dragging your feet with stuff. And you, you know, basically like if you could translate this as like, I want you to do something. So I'm going to kind of manipulate things and act like this is a word from God and tell you that this is a prophecy. So you'll believe this and you'll understand it and you will agree and do what I need you to do. Wow. <laughs> See what happened there? Experiences like that. I'm sure in this room, right, we all have experiences, or not, maybe not all of us, but we might have heard of experiences like that. We could all think of times where we've seen the prophetic or seen someone prophesy, and maybe it wasn't done in a healthy manner, right? I'm sure. Am I right? Could all agree on that. The great news, though, that's not an accurate portrayal of what prophecy is. So what we're going to do is I'm going to attempt to just scrape the, the, the tip of the iceberg with prophecy today. There's so much more. Like I said, this is intended. We are opening the discussion today. 
This isn't just the end-all, be-all. Pastor Craig giving you Prophecy 101 and you're going to be able to run out and take on the world. I'm believing that God's going to do something in you today that that's going to take place. But it begins here. It begins with an understanding and it begins with us being open to God actually reshaping our paradigm with these things. So just to kind of revert back to that story I just shared. First and foremost, prophecy is not manipulative, if I could even say that word. It's not to manipulate people at all. If you have seen it done that way, or if you have felt led on your heart to give someone a word or an encouragement that is like that, I would encourage you to probably rethink your ways. Because it's not manipulative at all. Nor is it self-serving. It is not about us. It is not about our agenda. So if we go up to someone and we want to try and get something from someone, why would we drag God into this and skew someone's vision on how God actually speaks and moves? Because we've seen all across the church, we've seen people damaged by this. We see people that are just stand like standoffish with any kind of prophetic because of experiences like this. People bringing their own insecurities, their own frailties into this. So it's not self-serving, nor is it to expose shortcomings at all, at all. And it's not, again, we're coming out very black and white real quick. It is not to tear people down, amen? amen. What does Paul say? So don't, don't be weird, <laughs> right? That's what, can I say that? Yeah. Don't be weird, right? Like Paul says continuously, it is to encourage, to strengthen, to comfort, to edify, not to call out someone's sin and put them on blast in front of people. How is that them experiencing love? Come on, not to tear people down. I wonder if you realize that the words prophet, prophecy, prophecies, prophesying, those words in particular are actually used over 200 times just in the New Testament alone. New Testament. For anyone claiming New Covenant folks, you know, all Old Testament, God spoke that way in the Old Testament. New Testament. All throughout the history of the church, prophecy has been prevalent all over the place. So it's it's really not just a small role or like a minor doctrine that's taught in some churches. This is actually a major teaching, a major theme throughout church history, throughout the New Testament. So this spiritual gift that Paul tells us to desire, what, is it, what does it look like? And again, I, I said I'm going to not attempt. I believe I'm going to give you some groundwork for it. What, what does it look like? What is it? Prophecy is proclaiming under the divine influence of the Holy Spirit of God. So proclaiming, so speaking out under divine influence, God speaking to you and you sharing this with someone else. So what I'd like to do is as we kind of take the next couple minutes and unpack this, I want to share something with you that helped me understand this a little more as well. And I'm believing that it's going to help you understand it as well today. Actually helped me out tremendously. So think of it this way. Prophecy is outworked in two expressions. It is foretelling. Everyone say foretell. Foretell and forthtelling. Everyone say forthtell. So foretell, foretelling, forthtelling. 
Foretell. What is foretell? It's to predict, right? It's proclaiming what is going to take place, which has not taken place. So you're going to, it speaks for itself. I don't think I have to spend much time on that, right? So foretelling, this is what a lot of us think of. When we hear prophecy, we think Old Testament, all the prophecies, all the messianic prophecies, right? All the prophecies about Jesus, all the things that are supposed to come to pass. But then there is also foretelling. What is foretelling? Well, the word that Paul used in the original Greek would have meant to speak forth. Seems rather simple, right? To speak forth. Speak forth what? Speak forth a timely word for a given situation. Speak forth the word of God to somebody. Speak forth God's heart to someone. You guys with that? Who's it to? Like I said, I'm going to give you some really basic, basic stuff to help equip you and give it, you know, more of a holistic view. Who's it to? It could be to a person. It could be to multiple people. It could be to a group of people. Throw this out there too. You might not even know who it's for when God gives it to you. You might not know initially and you might just have to share it and be bold and share it with people. And then someone's going to be like, yep, that's exactly what I'm going through. That's me. God's acknowledging me. Okay, good with that. We're together. We're cruising through. All right. So we're speaking forth. Prophecy is speaking forth truth and life. We're speaking forth God's heart. We're speaking forth truth that's in line with God's character. If you're taking notes, make sure you put that in there too. Prophecy should be in line with God's character. It never should be out. So if you have someone coming up to you and saying, oh, I have a word from God for you. I really believe God's speaking to me for you. And, um, you know, some of that person that did you wrong last week, you totally need to go out and totally ruin their life right now and go do this. Like he's going <laughs> to not in line with character of God, right? Right? I would probably say, yeah, probably not. You could compare, look at scripture, think character of God, not something God would say, right? Okay. What does it look like? What does it look like? This is a fun one because (laughs) I'm going to give you a little bit of a list, but this isn't the end all be all. When God speaks to you this way, it could be in picture form. It could be in a dream, a vision. It could be a literal word, just one, literally one, case in point. Second year in college for me, Bible college. Ran out of my class real quick. We had five minutes to get coffee. I was not awake nor paying attention in a theology class. Probably shouldn't be telling you that. (laughs) Went across the street for coffee. And one of my classmates is behind me from the UK. And we didn't really know each other. You know, we kind of different groups of friends and whatnot. And she taps on my shoulder and she said, Craig, um, when we were praying in class earlier, can't shake. I just felt like God was putting you on my heart, but it's really like, I don't know if this works, but it, all he kept giving me was literally one word for you. And I have no clue if this means anything to you, what it is, but maybe take it, pray about it, see what God says. I was like, sure, what, what is it? What is it? I'm like, what is this word? She's like, ready? Abba. It's like, Abba, okay. Abba like God. Father, Papa, okay. 
made no sense to me at the time. Poor girl, and I probably looked at her like really oddly too, like, I'm not good at hiding my emotions. I'm sure so many of you are like, yeah, you're so bad at it. Um, so she told me this, and I was like, kind of, okay, but I wrote it down. I have to tell you, that word for the next six to eight years of my life was a theme that reshaped everything inside of me. It reshaped who I was and who I am as a person, who I am as a church leader, who I am as a husband, who I, like how I pictured God. It completely reshaped the way that I communicate with God and even how I operate being a son of God. It completely reshaped everything. But little did I realize in that moment what that word, the power behind it could be. But think of it, just so quickly, in a line for coffee, God desired to put this one word on her heart, poor thing, with a boldness, probably shaken and nervous, tells me, well, I look at her strangely, but little did she realize just that, that act of obedience could shape someone's life. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing what it could do. So what else could it look like? It could look like an impre impression. I just feel like God is saying this for you. I feel like that God has put this on my heart. Maybe it's an, a scripture. Maybe it's a passage. Maybe it's multiple verses, right? God can work throughout all of this. Maybe it's an encouraging thought or intuition. I just feel like God is going to be leading you in this direction or like he's going to be putting this on your heart, whatever it may be. It could even be revelation. But this is, again, this is not the end-all, be-all. This is the beginning of the list. It just keeps going and going. That's how cool it is. How good is God? Like, God wants to speak to you so badly and loves to, loves to encourage his children. So he's constantly speaking, and he'll speak through anybody he has to to get to us, to acknowledge us, and to let us know we're loved, and he's for us. So he will do it in our sleep, when we're driving, when we're singing a song, whatever it is, God will speak to us in a way to build us up. So, prophecy, and I very much will understand this as well. Obviously, it's not just speaking. Speaking's half of it, right? You're like, okay, Craig, yeah, it's not just speaking. Tell us about the other portion of it. You're right. It requires hearing and speaking. Not just hearing, it requires listening. I see Erica pointing to eyes. It's okay. See? Let's start with this. You need to hear from God. You need to understand how God communicates to you to be able to speak out. He wants to say something through you, to you and through you. So I want to give you a couple minutes on delivering and receiving. Okay? Is this good? Yeah. You with me? Yeah. Okay. When you deliver a prophetic word or prophecy, and this is like, I know this, some of this might be basic for some of you, but for the rest of us, this might be completely new. So there's something in this for all of us. So delivering a prophecy. We do it in love. See, in, in love, we humbly approach with sensitivity. In love, we humbly approach with sensitivity. There needs to be a boldness, obviously, in there. But I want you to focus in on those three things. In love, because Paul continuously talks about that, right? In love. Humbly, because it's not about you. It's not about us. It's about the person that God wants to speak to. Yes. And with sensitivity. Because little do we realize the impact of what God has put on our heart to share with somebody. Yes. 
It might be something that they're going through. They might be in the thick of it, and it's very sensitive. And if we could just come up and we're like, hey, in front of everybody, this is God's putting this on my heart for you. And imagine someone's like, oh, my gosh, totally embarrassed or like feels horrible about themselves. Kind of contradicts what God wanted to do in the first place then, right? So it's sensitivity. Whether you know someone or not, especially if you don't know them, sensitivity, right? Like I said earlier, and we laughed about it, be normal, please. Especially house, family, please be normal when you do this. You don't have to, you don't have to speak in King James. You don't have to like, you know, say that you are an oracle of the Lord or that this is, you know, the, the word of the sovereign Lord has spoken through Craig for you today is this. You know, you don't have to do anything like that. When you're just starting out, practice. We spoke about this the other week. Yeah. Practice, and it's okay. It's going to be a little messy. you got to be okay with it. We'll work through it. Practice. Practice in community. Hello. Yeah. This is a safe place. And if you're not practicing in community, where else are you going to practice? Imagine how much more difficult it would be outside of. And then Paul does remind us that it does build up the church. So why not practice in community? Thank you. Amazing. <laughs> Practice in the church. There we go. Okay, now on to receiving. Paul actually addresses this in his letter to the church of Thessalonica. So we're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. This is verses 19 through 22. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So Paul's saying, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. So for some of you, don't roll your eyes, right? Someone comes up and says, God has maybe have, you know, has given them a word for you. Don't roll your eyes. Maybe don't sit back and start tapping your foot, cross your arms like Joyce, you're looking at me, mugging me right now. No, I'm kidding. Um, so probably no eye rolling, no shrugging off. It's probably not the best way to receive something, right? Paul actually says, don't treat prophecies with contempt. I don't know about you, but anytime I ever heard this passage referenced to earlier on, all we focused in on was test. Test them. Basically, don't listen to most of these people because they don't know what they're talking about. And that was driven home so much. Test, test, test. But Paul's actually saying, don't treat them with contempt. Receive, but like, yes, you test, but like, allow them to come to you, allow people to speak to you. God will give you wisdom and discernment on what is from him and what's not. And then we have this amazing book here, which is God's word, which is living and breathing and alive and active, and that'll help guide us as well. So do not treat with contempt. We have the two extremes. We have completely despising a prophetic word or despising, despising the person that's giving it to us, right? Don't do that. Seems really easy. Don't do that, though. And then on the other hand, don't take it as the gospel. If you don't know someone as well, don't take it like it's literally God just gave you that 100%. Ask him about it. Because sometimes when we first hear something, we think immediately, we're human, we're agenda-driven. Okay, someone gave me a word about this. 
okay, so it must mean for this thing because this is what I'm doing right now. But meanwhile, it might be something else that God wants to actually speak to us about. So that's what the testing portion is. Don't just completely dismiss it, test it, hold on to it, pray about it, ask God. And you're also, disclaimer as well, you will have relationship with people and you will understand people in your community and there will be trust. And you'll understand like some people are just really gifted and have a lot of practice hearing the voice of God. So you know when they share something with you, you can trust it. Others, not so much, maybe. No. It's okay. We love them all, right? So is it in line with, is it in line with God's character in Scripture? Definitely is something you want to check. Um, but I want to refer to the first portion of this verse where Paul says, do not quench the Spirit. This is huge. We need to understand why he's saying this is because we could actually quench the Spirit in our own lives, but then also in the person delivering the prophetic word to us. So we're hindering ourselves in how we could hear from God, but we're also hindering how God can move through people and encouraging people by this. So don't quench the spirit. You all with me still? We're good. I know this has been like a lot of like I'm trying to cram through content. We're about to ramp it up in a second. As if we haven't already, right? So what takes place as a result of a prophecy or a timely word? Oh, this is good. Y'all, this is good. Think about if you've ever had a prophetic word given to you. What happens? You're built up, right? You're built up. People can experience freedom. It shifts our mindsets, our perspective. For some of us, that word is what we needed to sustain us through a very difficult time. Amen? God saying, I see you and I see what you're going through and I want you to know I acknowledge it, but I'm here with you. He sustains us. A prof- like prophetic word, can healing can take place. Yeah. I'm not going to give you an, like description of how this goes down because there isn't like a black and white answer. But you hear stories all the time of people giving a prophetic word and instantly someone is healed. Yeah. Instantly. Like even if with, with addiction, you hear this so frequently, people battling addiction and someone speaks over them the word of God and says like, just calls them out of who they are, the way that God sees them. They are holy, like you are actually chosen and set apart and God touches them in that moment. Yeah. Not because even what they asked for, but because of the word spoken over them and that they received the word. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We feel affirmed. It could also, prophetic word can encourage our devotion and intimacy with God. Those moments where we might feel distant and then God acknowledges us and speaks right into something. Maybe the deepest like part of our inner being and he acknowledges something. The person that's given us the word has no clue what it is because God just gave it to him. But we know and we walk away and we're like, oh my goodness, Lord. Wow. You so know me. And you want me to know that you're here. You're here with me throughout all of this, right? Do we see why this is a gift to the community? Oh my goodness. We could keep going on and on. We could spend the rest of our time talking about all of the things that can be a result from a prophetic word. I want to read, though, from 1 Timothy 1, 18. This is Paul's letter to Timothy. He says, Timothy, my son, 
I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. He's charging him with something. He's commissioning him with something based on the prophecies that have been given. And he says, why? So you'll remember them so you can continue to step forward and fight the battle well. Can sustain him. The reason why I brought this up is prophecies can serve as a reminder to us of what God has called us to. They can serve as a reminder of what God has brought us to this city for. What he has brought us in relationship for. What he's wanting to do in his church. It could be a testimony for us to share. Imagine how many people are built up when we share testimonies of prophetic words. It can inspire, it can motivate, it can build faith and hope where faith and hope is dormant. The word of God can breathe life into something instantly. Into us instantly. Where faith is lacking, all of a sudden faith is welled up inside of us. And that's why I told him, remember this. Like when you recall these prophecies, you'll be built up. You're going to be able to fight the battle well. Okay. Now, these are all great, but I figure the last few minutes, I want to let you in on my heart. A little bit more about me and who I am. Because who I am today, who you see and who you know, the pastor that you know, the friend that you know, the leader that you know, the husband that you know, and who I'm still becoming, it's, I was actually shaped by community and by church. Why I say this is because prophecy was one of those things that I treated like the magic eight ball. Didn't really know about it. Couldn't be bothered with it. I had God's word. That was plenty for me. But then all of a sudden, when I was in an environment, when I was in a church that valued this and saw this and said, no, actually, we want this to be a part of who we are. And people spoke over me. At a time when I was extremely insecure and broken and not knowing what the future would hold for me. At a time where I didn't believe, like I said, I didn't believe in prophecy. I'll just come out and say it. For decades, I didn't. The gifts I know, again, were just the administrative gifts of the church. The miraculous ones, the manifested gifts, no. I once received a letter from someone. They actually put it down with my stuff, my Bible. I'm going to read you a little portion of this. This letter is actually about 10 years old. Set apart for God, a, a leader, a deliverer from the enemies who oppress. Excuse me. God's people needed a strong, confident leader, someone who walked with God. Physical strength is nothing in comparison to the strength of heart, strength of spirit. God intends that. God has so much more for you, Craig. Don't shrink back. Don't let the enemy make you feel disqualified 
or unqualified. Rise up. Take ownership and possession of what God has given you to walk out. Leave no room for doubt. I don't even know who that's from. It's 10 years ago. There's a reason I kept this. Prophecy calls things to life that are completely dormant or don't exist. This person, who I have no clue who was, spoke into a young man who was broken and confused, spoke into the call of God on his life, told him in this letter what they saw. Maybe it wasn't what was standing in front of them. Maybe it wasn't the same guy that showed up to church and would leave all angry or bitter or whatever and was struggling with things, but they saw something deeper. They actually asked God to speak to them about me. And they said, I actually see you as a leader. When before, if you would have told me 10 years ago, I'd say, no, I actually wanted nothing to do with church. A leader to step into all that God has called me to be. I wanted nothing to do with that. But this person spoke into what was to come out of me. That's the power that prophecy has. That's the power that this gift has. And that's why Paul tells us, he's basically telling us, church, ask for it. If you don't think you have it, ask for it. It can be yours. God gives it in different measures, but he's not going to withhold a good thing from you. God wants to speak through you. Amen? I got to tell you something else. See, this inspired me, right, to step into faith, literally, and for God to use me in ways that I never dreamed possible. I always thought it was for someone else. I would have never seen me even right here doing this right now 10 years ago. I always told people, I don't hear from God like that. No, I don't. That was a lie. Because I'll tell you what, I do. I just didn't realize it. I needed people to call it out inside of me. And this is what happens in community. When we have the boldness to prophesy and tell people what we see inside of them, the God that we see inside of them, the giftings that we see inside of them, that's what wells up. That's what got the Craig of 10 years ago who thought he didn't hear from God. Amen? To step into a gifting and to sit with God and say, all right, there must be something to this, Father. You actually speak. You want to speak to me. And I'll tell you what, I could talk your ear off for the rest of the day, not to boast, because I can't remember half the prophecies that God has given me for people in detail. But I'll tell you a cool story. A year ago, some friends came to visit from a church in another country. I met him in Australia when I was doing Bible college out there. It was really special. They came to San Francisco to see the city, and they knew that we were from here, and they brought some of their team, and it was just a great day. And we always had a good connection, but we didn't stay in close contact at all. So I thought, I was like, yeah, it's fun, cool. We're going to show them around the city. Well, at dinner, me and this one guy kind of ended up on the side of the table, and it just it's almost awkward because it just ended up being a conversation with the two of us. And he's like, I need to tell you something. Okay? It's like, I don't think you remember this, but in 2010, we were sitting in the back of a Sydney Municipal Transportation bus. You were on your way to work after class for Bible college. 
and I was on my way back from work because I was a construction worker. And in the back of that bus, it was just you and I. And all of a sudden, he said, you asked to pray for me, and then you started encouraging me. And then you said that you felt God was putting something on your heart. He's like, and you, you told me that God was going to call me to preach, that God was going to call me to lead a church. It's like I was working construction. I had no schooling. I had nothing. I, was, I literally had my construction belt with me and my boots and my dirty clothes, and here you are, I was thinking, this Bible college student saying this to me. You're right? And here I am, I'm, gonna, I'm just getting off of work. He doesn't even have a real job. He's going to Bible college. Right? And look at this. How many years removed? Him, his wife now, both preach. They both fly all over the world speaking at different churches. They're both pastors of a campus of a thriving church in another country. And it is growing and growing. And he said, I want you to know, you spoke something into me. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. You spoke something into me that I didn't ever see. I never saw myself doing this. I thought I was going to be working construction for the rest of my life. And that day, in the back of that bus, on a summer afternoon, you prayed for me and spoke this into me. And it has shaped my future. That is the power of prophecy. Church, my prayer for you is that you either begin or you'll continue to step out into what God has called you to, which is to prophesy, which is to build his church, which is why we believe as a family here at House SF that prophecy is a foundation. We're a family that moves in spiritual gifts because that's who we are. That's part of our DNA as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. These signs should follow us. If we have the Spirit of God in us, these should follow us. We should be doing this stuff. And I know that there's a fear, you know, we all have these fears of getting the weird look or just being wrong. I get that. But then again, it never has been about us, right? Yeah. Nor in Scripture never was it about the prophet either. It was always about the people. It was always about the one that God was wanting to feel known by him. After all, right, his name is Elroy, the God who sees. So wouldn't he be the one to want his children to know that he sees where they're at? He's with them. I'm going to invite the worship team on up and we're going we're gonna to sing together. My prayer is that we are a community, not just a church, a community that will not shy away from moments like those. That we're a community that allows God in to reshape our thinking. That whatever ceiling and box that we put God in, we will allow him to deconstruct that. My prayer for us as a community is that we're a community that will leave notes, that will go up to someone across the room and say, look, I don't know you, but I just need to tell you this. 
There's multiple people in this room that don't believe that they hear from God. You want to understand, you actually, it's much different. You actually don't realize how much you do hear from him. shows me a tower. I see a tower. In biblical times, towers were used as watchtowers to see when enemies would be coming or someone was coming in, and they were used to actually yell out as well. And I see, like, the reason he's, I believe he's showing me this is he's saying, like, that's how clearly you hear from him. He is, like, on the top of the tower, and he is nonstop yelling out, speaking to you. He wants to speak through you. But there's just fear or there's something else or there's disbelief, there's something coming into play. But actually that, that obstacle is not as great as you believe it is. You're actually looking at it and you're, the perspective that you're looking at it from is actually making it look a whole lot bigger than it actually is. God's actually saying to you today, today's the day that you could actually step through that. That, that obstacle, that hurdle that was there, it's not really a hurdle. It's just gonna be your next step and that he's going to be speaking to you and through you. Some of you actually wake up with dreams. God needs you to know. He wants you to know that those are from him, that he's waking you up at night because he wants to spend time with you, that he wants to start speaking to you and through you, that those dreams are not just for you. He actually wants to give you more of those, but he's having a difficult time reaching you during your day because you're filling it with so much other stuff. He's gonna take every opportunity to speak to you. We go worship together. I, I could, I could just keep going on and on. See, what's funny is, like I said, ten years ago, I would have never even been open to God speaking to me or showing me things. But now, nothing brings me a greater joy than seeing faith and hope released into people, courage released into people, bravery released into people. Amen a boldness to actually step out and be who they were created to be. That brings me joy. And when I know I can just get out of my own head and get out of the way and allow God to move through me, that's when something beautiful takes place. Even when I preach, I realize that I could do all the studying until the cows come home. I could write, and I'm super, gosh, I'm super OCD as it is. So like I could do a lot of studying. I geek out with it. But there's moments where God is like, you could study and do all of the theological study. You could, you know, have the systematic theology books on your counter, on your desk, and all that fancy stuff. You could talk about the theories of atonement and all of these great things. But if you don't actually allow me to move, like, people just crave me. People don't understand that that appetite that they have, that they long for, that was instilled in them before they were even in their mother's womb. That I actually created them to desire me. And I will be the only thing that will fulfill that desire. God is the only one, and he wants to speak to you, through, to you today, church. Let's worship.